Welcome to Evangel Church. Our mission is to bring people into a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us at evangelchurch.com. That's the game of life. Now here, I'm going to tell you what my original vision was for this video. I actually wanted to do a remake of this 1960s commercial and put our, our people from our church in it. Wouldn't that have been hilarious? That would have been fun, right? I had all the people cast in my mind, but, uh, but you know how that can go. Uh, but I hope that you're able to enjoy it. And my goal is that that would kind of bring you back to a time, uh, a time where you could remember. Is there anyone in the house that remembers that commercial playing? You can still get the jingle in your head. You, you remember it. Uh, my name is Pastor Chris, and we are embarking on a series of messages entitled The Games of Life. And I know you could be wondering if you're here for the first time, what am I doing in church talking about board games? Uh, but I, I promise you, if you follow with us, you'll never see some of these games the same again. Because as we look back on those games, they used to teach us a lot about life and the life that we would live one day when we grew up. And now that we've grown up and now that we're walking through life, uh, there are a lot of things that we learned because of the games that we played. And if we look at those games again, I believe that we could learn some things about God's word that will stick with us and uh, just be, be carried with us through life as we continue forward. So uh, the goal is to take a look at some of these games and apply some biblical principles to uh, what God would have for us today in the life that we're living. And so today we are going to be actually taking a look at the game of life. The game of life. And this is a game that many of you may have grown up playing from time to time. And, uh, and we're going to learn a little bit more about it together. But before we get into the message, I wanted to do something special. I wanted to actually give something away today as a gift to someone, all right? So uh, I want to give a shout out to our groups. We have some groups that are meeting all around uh, our communities. And can we give it up for the, those that are hosting the groups in their homes? We have over 20 families that are doing that. And it's been a joy to see the growth of groups at Evangel Church. We believe that life change really happens in circles, not in rows. You're sitting in rows today, but it isn't until you're able to get into a community with other believers, like we talked about last week when we talked about connecting four like the early church did, that life change really starts to happen. And so I'm so thankful for our group leaders. Do we have any group leaders in the house? Would you mind lifting up your hand and letting us know that you're leading a group this season? We appreciate you. We're thankful for you. And maybe most of our group leaders come to first service, but I'm going to throw it out there. Uh, is there anyone here that's, that's here today that you're a group leader and you're leading for the first time? This is the first time you've opened up your home to lead a group. If that's you, would you lift up your hand? Where are they at? Someone point them to me. Up here in the balcony? Could you wave at me? Could you stand up? Where are you at? Great. Good to see you. Thank you. Is there anyone else I'm missing? All right, so what you win is you're going to be our winner, and you win a copy of the Game of Life that you can play with your group, all right? <laughs> so Maria will bring that up to you. Thank you so much, Maria. So um, keep paying attention. Maybe you'll win something. And get involved in groups because I'll tell you, there's, more, uh, there's so much more in store that God has for us beyond the Sunday morning experience. So let's take a look at God's Word today. If you have your Bibles, you can open with me to Matthew chapter 7. We're going to be in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 7. We're going to be looking at the game of life. As we look here in, in Matthew chapter 7, we see that Jesus is in the midst of the Sermon on the Mount. It's when he's talking to his disciples and to his followers about what it means to live life in the kingdom, to live life different than everyone else would have thought they should have lived. In fact, during the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus takes everyday sayings, things that people believed about life, and he turned them on their head. And Jesus began to say things that no one would have agreed with. 
about how we are now to live, how we are to forgive, how we are to not worry, how we are to store up our treasures, how we are to play the rules differently. He said life is meant to be lived differently because of this thing that we call the kingdom of God. And Jesus came to teach us how to live life differently. As we think about the game of life, if you grew up playing this game, you grew up learning how to play. You learned the rules. And, and what's amazing to me is that when you look back, uh, you can see that the game of life has taken on a lot of different variations over the years. You have uh, the most recent one, which is like the one that I just handed out, and we could put up a picture. This is what it looks like today. And some of you know this because you own this game, and you remember, you see all the pieces. But some of you would look at this, and you would say, this isn't the game of life that I remember. You go back to the 80s or 90s, and you see this right here. This is the game that's sitting in your, uh, in your junk closet, right? Uh, and you remember this one, and you're like, yes, I remember playing that game whenever I was growing up. In fact, some people told me, they said, where are all the, the 3D pieces that come out of the board? And I said, I, I don't know where they are, because uh, some of you grew up playing that with those things. And then some of you will go even further back, and this would be amazing if you have this version of the game, right? This is from 1960, that game. Does anyone know what I'm talking about? You remember playing that game? That's, one of the, that's the one that really broke onto the scene and everyone paid attention to. In fact, that's the one that is connected to the commercial that we watched just a few moments ago. That game, when it came out, many people thought that that game was the original game of life. Well, we didn't realize that in 1960, when this game was released, it was actually the 100th anniversary of the original, original game of life. And it was called the checkered game of life. And Milton Bradley himself invented the game in 1860 as a game that you'd play and you'd learn principles about life. And so it looks more like a checkered board than it does uh, like, like anything you'd see today, but the game was still the same. In fact, if you look at the rules of it, you could see on the next uh, slide there are some rules that are played. And it's the old, reliable, checkered game of life. And it talks about how you'd play this. And it's a very old and, and well-known game. Um, and it basically was that you would either have one life or you'd have the other. And the one life was filled with wealth and success and the right choices that you make. But the other one, and originally in the game, which isn't around it now, it actually led to very difficult circumstances, um, struggling, strife, prison, and even death. And so it's a lot different than now. Now there, isn't, there is no card you pick up that you die or something terrible happens to you. But the original game, that's what it was. It was, it was one or the other. And there was two paths that you were going to take. And one led to life and the other led to death. And the goal was not to find yourself on the path that led to death. It's amazing that over the years, the rules have changed. You look, and this is from the 1960s, and you could see a bunch of rules, and you could see revenge cards and all these things at play, and then you move to the 80s, and the, the rules have changed again. And then you get to today's version, and the rules are different. In fact, I was looking at that game before someone received it today, and it says now they've taken some of the cards that you would have grown up having, and they said these cards are now changing the cards. And they said ki they let kids uh, design the new cards for careers. And so the careers that you grew up remembering of a farmer and some of those things, they're replaced by video game designer and secret agent <laughs> uh, and things along those lines. I'm not kidding. That's exactly what it says on the box as you open it up. What amazes me is that many of the games that we grew up playing, the rules don't change from year to year, right? I mean, Monopoly still played the same way it was when it first came out, I believe. Maybe there's different variations, you still play the game with the same rules. It's amazing, though, that in the game of life, the rules keep changing. 
And in fact, if I read these rules to you today and we go back to the 1860 rules, completely different. Go back to this rules to the 1960, completely different. Isn't that the same as life that we're living today? You could look back 50 years and you could say the world has redefined what's right and what's wrong. They have redefined what the rules really are. They have made changes along the way. I believe that there have been compromises that have been made along the way. In fact, if you look at our life today and you look at life 156 years ago, you would say life is different. It's completely different. We're playing two completely different games when you talk about living life. And so the world around us keeps changing the rules, keeps saying this is what's right and this is what's wrong. In fact, the whole world could be moving in directions and making decisions and saying, well, guess what? This used to be wrong, but now it's right. And this used to be right, now it's wrong. You following me today? So in life, this is exactly what's happening in the world around us. We shouldn't be surprised. But as we go back even further than 1860, I'm so thankful that God, the one who created us, the one who the Bible says is the author of life, gave us instruction. And that instruction dates back thousands of years. And guess what? It's unchangeable just to see us. And it's unchanging. And it remains the same yesterday, today, and forever. And when we look to God's word, I'm thankful that it's filled with timeless truths, not timely truths that are just in the moment, seasonal, fad-centered but ones that are timeless, ones that endure forever. And when we look at God's word, when we look at Jesus talking to his followers about life and about how they're called to live life, he says something that endures until today. And it has everything to do with how we play the game of life and how we walk through life every single day. Here's what he said in Matthew chapter 7, verse 13. He says, enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction and many enter through it. But verse 14 goes on to say, but small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life and only a few will find it. Jesus is speaking and he said, it all comes down to what path you are taking. And when you play the game of life and you would go back and you'd remember, it all comes down to the path that you choose to take. In fact, you start out and everyone starts out, you have your little car, and in your little car you have your family that could be there, but to begin the game, it's just you. And you start out, and the first choice you have to make is which path am I going to take? And so the first thing that I want you to take away from this is the word path. It's vital for you to realize that you and I, we are called to a path, and all of us are walking on a journey. And that ver journey ultimately starts with a choice. Which way will I enter in? Which way will I go? Which way will I walk? The first thing that we have to know today about how we are called to walk through life, how we're called to live out life, it has everything to do with the path that we enter. And the path that we enter, the only way to that path is by choosing the right gate. We have to choose the gate. There are two things that are mentioned in Matthew chapter 7. It's a gate and it's a path or a road. And Jesus said that there is a wide gate that leads to a wide road. And there is a narrow gate that leads to a narrow path. And he said that one of those gates leading to one of those roads is going to lead you ultimately to the final destination, which let me tell you, it's not millionaire mansion. It's death and destruction, the Bible says. 
And there is another path that is entered by another gate that leads to life, and life abundant and life everlasting. And Jesus says, what road, what path are you on? What path are you choosing with your life? How are you entering into it? Well, when we look at God's word, he says, enter through the narrow gate. Enter through the narrow gate and get on to the right path. And that only can happen through the narrow gate. And so we look there and it says in Luke's gospel, chapter 13, verse 24, he says, strive to enter through the narrow door. For many, I tell you, will seek to enter and they will not be able to. For you and I, we are all called to a life that God has for us. He has a purpose for you. He has a promise for you. He has something intended for your life that you could never imagine. Some of you, you're beginning to walk in that. Others have been walking in it for some years. But some of you, you feel like you're stuck on the sidelines. You feel like you are stuck in a ditch or you feel like you're spinning circles and don't know where to go. I want to ask you today, are you following Jesus with your life? The first place that this begins, when Jesus is talking to his followers in John chapter 10, he said, I am the door, I am the gate, that you enter through me. He said, the robbers, everyone else, they're going to try to enter some other way, but you can't find life until you enter through the door that leads to life. Jesus is that door. You can go through every other door into every other closet, into every other place, and you won't find life. But when you come to Jesus, you find a door that leads to life. Are we willing to pass through that? Now, if you think about that with me, he said, this gate, this door is narrow. It's small. It's difficult to pass through. Now, could you imagine with me that I wanted to walk through that door And as I wanted to walk through that door, I decided that I didn't just want to pass through that door myself, but I wanted to carry my couch, my sectional, through that door as well. Do you think that the sectional is making it through the door? It doesn't sound like it. There's a wide door that I could probably go to, and I could pass through that gate, and I could probably get through, right? Have you ever seen on certain roads, there are signs that will show up to say, no tractor trailers on this road? And I always wondered why. And some of it says it's because of weight. And I always thought, oh, is, the, is the road going to collapse? What's going to happen? It's dirt. It's a road. And then I realized that one day when I was driving on a road that no tractor trailer was supposed to be on, and I was coming up to a, an area where they went under a bridge. And that truck was uh, trying to get under that bridge, but it was stuck because it wasn't supposed to be on that road. Have you ever seen that where a truck or a bus or something gets stuck? In fact, a couple years ago, we had a box truck that thought it could pass under our building. And it couldn't pass under our building. And so we, have a nice little, we had a nice little dent in the building <laughs> because the truck couldn't get through. There are certain things that just can't be passed through. Now, as men, we, we believe that we can always fit something through even when it doesn't fit, right? We always feel like we can do that. And someone that owned my home before me Um, I don't know what they did. I don't know who they paid. I don't know if they made a deal with the devil or something, but something magical took place in my house. They got a box spring up into my second floor attic that when it came time for that box spring to leave, it could not leave. Somehow, and I I couldn't figure it, did it get through a window? Did they osmosis through the wall? What happened to get this thing up there because it could not come down? I still have dents in my wall because I could not get this thing out. I had to hack it apart and break it 
to get it out. And so I was reminded of this uh, this last week whenever we're getting ready for Josiah, our son who's coming in a little over a month, and we're getting furniture that we need to get up those steps. And I realized these words of Jesus, the gate, the door is narrow. (laughs) Very few things will enter through it. I had to tell Mandy this word many times. We need to be very mindful of what we are going to try to pass through this. And we got to the point where we got some of the furniture and we're trying to get it through. And we realized it's not fitting just the way it is. It isn't getting through. So what we ended up doing is we ended up having to take the door off the hinges. Have you ever had to do that before? You know why? Because I had to widen the door. Something had to give. Something had to compromise so that that could fit through. Here's how that applies to our life. You and I, we walk through this life, not just with our life, but with the things that we carry with us. And there are parts of our life that are good, and there are parts of our life that are burdens. There are things that we're carrying today that we should be carrying, and there are things that we're carrying around with us today that we shouldn't be carrying. And here's what you need to know, that when you get to that door, Jesus said it's a narrow door. It isn't that you need to lose weight if you're going to pass through the door. He says you've got to lose some burdens. You've got to lay some things down if you're going to pass through it will be restrictive to what can pass through this door. The life that he has for you is one that you have to come laying down everything to fit into, to walk into. You have to be willing to part ways, to lay down. Jesus said, if anyone wants to come after me, he must what? Deny himself. Strip off the old. Take up his cross and follow me. I want to tell you this door is cross-shaped. It could fit the cross that you're carrying for Jesus. You will fit through it every time. But if you're trying to carry other stuff, something's going to have to give. Imagine with me that you're carrying a giant backpack and multiple suitcases and you're trying to get through this tiny little gate, this tiny little door. Something's going to happen. Number one is you're going to let go of the stuff, but many people don't want to let go of their stuff. Or number two, you're going to go in and you're going to find a wider door to walk through. You following me today? And I believe that so many of us, although we're sitting in church on Sunday, we're choosing the wider door. We're choosing the road of compromise. We're choosing to say, you know what, let's widen it so that we can fit through. And we're not just widening the narrow door. We're choosing a wider path. If you choose the wide door, you choose the wide path. If you choose a life of compromise where you're going to continue to carry the things Jesus has called for you to lay down, you're missing it. It isn't because he doesn't want you to have what you have. It's because he has something better for you on the other side. Anything you lay down on this side of Jesus, what you can pick up on the other side is greater than it all. Could you imagine with me that you went to the airport and you went there and they said, you know what? You can't take any of this luggage with you. You can't take any of the baggage that you're carrying. And you say, no, I need it. You don't understand. There's this and there's that. And you don't know what we have planned. And And they said, do you trust us? Because when you get to the other side, What's waiting for you is even greater. You say, no way, it can't be great. And could you imagine that you got to wherever your destination was and waiting there, brand new bags, brand new wardrobe, brand new everything, more amazing than you could ever imagine. What would you feel like then? You'd feel blessed, wouldn't you? Do you realize the Bible says this, that when we're in Christ, we're a new creation, the old has passed away, the new has come. There's something greater waiting for you on the other side, but you'll never receive it if you're holding on to the old and trying to carry it through with you. So there's a narrow gate that leads to a narrow road. And if you're carrying all the things that would be associated with the wide road and the wide gate, you're not going to be walking in the way that God wants and has called you to walk. And so we need to enter through the path that leads. It leads to the right way, the right destination. It only happens through entering 
into Jesus and following him in the way that he's called us to live. The second thing that we need to realize is that as we get onto this road, as we get into the path and we're walking the journey, there are going to be many ups and downs. And as we go on these paths, the path is going to be decided somehow. How are you deciding what path you're going to walk on? It says, if we look here in God's word, he says that we are not called to the road that leads to destruction. That's the wide, the broad road, but we are called to the one that leads to life. It's narrow. Few find it. How do we find the right path? Your path will ultimately be determined by your priorities. Let me say it again. Your path is ultimately going to be determined in this life. The path, the road that you're walking is determined by your priorities, by the things that matter most inside your heart. The things that you value and treasure most determine the path that you're walking. Now, whenever people would actually play this game, I heard some, some of our staff members uh, reminiscing about this this last week as we were in a meeting, and they were talking. They said, oh, I love the game of life, and I loved playing it when I was younger. And for one of them, they said, you know what? For me, the game was all about getting the biggest family that I could. And they said, you know what, if you played your cards right and if you, if you did it just right and you spun it and you, you took the right path at every crossroads, then you could get so many children that it would outgrow your car and you'd have to have a second car following you around. I thought, I never played that way. That's amazing. They said, yes, you can go beyond those four kids if you play it just right. And that was their goal. They wanted to get around the board. They didn't care where they retired. They didn't care where they fell. They won if the family got so big that they needed a second car to carry them around. Some of you are living the same way. You're living with the call of Abraham. Fruitful multiplying, filling the earth, right? And for you, you're saying, you know what? That's what it's about, family. And that's the priority. And so you make choices in your life. You'll make decisions because you're putting that first. You're making decisions about what path you're walking in, what jobs you're taking, where those jobs will ultimately take you. Why? Because there is a priority in place and that's dictating the path that you're walking. And you say, well, that's a heartwarming way to think about it. Well, let me go to another one because someone else would say, you know what? The game is all about what the game is all about. And if you look on the front of the instructions, here's what the rules say. It says, hit the road for a roller coaster life of adventure, family, and unexpected surprises. That sounds like life, right? And here's how you win. The wealthiest player wins. This is how many of us are living our life. You know what? The one who gets through this thing with the most stuff wins. Whoever can accrue the most, whoever can get the most in the bank, the most tucked away, the biggest house, the greatest car, whatever, you're chasing after it because the person with the most at the end is the winner. That's what life is for you. Now you could look at that and guess what? Everyone else on the road with you, everyone else walking that path is saying the same thing. They're getting to payday, they're getting to all these places and you're looking and they're saying, we gotta get it all. We got to get ahead. We got to advance. We got to accrue everything because then we win. Then we find our ultimate destination, what we've been dreaming of. And everyone around you will say, that's right. That's the way to think. That's the way to live. But when we go to God's word in this very passage, in this very area, when Jesus is talking about life, he said, throw out the rules because there are new rules that are dictated by kingdom and by life in Christ. And he said this, don't store up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust and things will come and decay. Store up for yourself treasures in heaven 
where none of that can happen. And so the very thing that would define a path that people take and a priority that they place on things in this life like wealth and accruing so much, they look and they could say, that feels right, that's life. Jesus has something completely different to say. Because he said we can't serve two masters. We can't serve God and mammon. We can't serve two of them because we're going to love one and we're going to hate the other. And so if your priorities, if the priorities of your heart are unchecked and out of balance with the word of God, here's what you need to realize. You're going to end up on the wrong path. You might come to church every single Sunday, but I'm going to tell you, when you leave church and you get in your car and you drive onto a road, I know it could be Terrell Road or Westfield Avenue or, or whatever it is, it will be the wrong road. You know why? Because the priorities of your heart are ultimately leading you towards the wrong path, a path that isn't going to lead to life, a path that doesn't lead to what God has for you. And so I would say that you need to remember that your path will be determined in the end by the priorities of your heart. What do you treasure most and first in your life? Jesus gave it to us clearly. Seek first what? His kingdom, his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. To walk in his path is to walk a life that is submitted to Jesus Christ in every way. In every single day, we're going to look more like him. That's our goal than less like the world around us. Now, if you are walking on a different path that has you looking more like the world every day and less like Jesus, you're on the wrong path. You can come to church all you want. You could read. You could pray. But ultimately, the path is what matters. Where are you going? What are you doing with your life? Are you walking with Jesus or are you not? Our path is going to be determined by our priorities. What priority do you have on spending time with Jesus daily? What priority do you have in seeking the things that, that line up with God's word? How much time do you spend knowing him and seeking to do things? That not that this world would say is right, but that you know is right in the eyes of God. Because it could be easy for us to get caught up on the wide path, walking in the wrong way, going the way of all the world, letting the rules change. And we would say, you know, I grew up believing these were the rules and now I get to my job and career and someone else handed me a new card and they say, this is what the rules are now. And you're just living following the rules and you feel like I'm playing the game pretty well. I'm getting ahead. I'm advancing. I'm getting extra paydays. I'm, I'm hitting every single good spot along the way. Things couldn't be better. And in your own mind, in your own eyes, you feel, man, I'm, I'm winning. That's going great. Let me, let me caution you with God's word here. Don't let your own feelings and your own judgment be your determining factor as to whether you're on the right path or the wrong path. Here's what it says in Proverbs 12, 15. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man is he who listens to counsel. The greatest counsel we could ever receive is from God's word. And look what it goes on to say in Proverbs 14, 12. There is a way which seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. So in your own eyes, in our own minds, we could say everything is going great. There are so many people around me. It couldn't be better. And the whole time you're deceiving yourself because you're buying into a lie that isn't going to lead towards life and towards the things that God has for you. It's going to lead towards disappointment and maybe even destruction. Which path are we choosing? Because the path that you choose is eternally significant 
And the path you choose is ultimately going to be determined by what you value in your heart, what your priorities really are. So where are you placing your priorities? What are you chasing after? Are they things that honor God, things that honor yourself, things that you know are not right in God's sight, in God's eyes? Because what path are you really walking then, if that's the case? This world is in many ways deceived. We're deceived by majority thinking. We'd say, well, if, if enough of the world thinks this is right, that makes it right. No, that's not right. If this many people feel that this is the right road, then I might as well jump on it because it must be going in the right direction. I don't know about you, but I don't go looking for traffic. If everyone's driving up into New York City, I don't, that does not make me want to drive to New York City. If everyone's driving, well, now, if it's the summer and, and, and we're going south on the parkway, I can understand. Everyone's going there. They are going to the right place. They're going to the beach, right? That's okay. But just because there's a lot of people on that road doesn't mean it's the right place to go. Doesn't mean it's right for you. Doesn't mean that's the place you're ultimately supposed to be traveling. Don't be deceived by the loudest voices. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, talks about the world. It says, in whose case the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so that they might not see the light of the gospel, of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. It says the world has been blinded to not see the right path. The path that's been illuminated by Jesus, the light of the world. They can't see it and they're not walking it. They're walking in their own way that would lead to death. And many believe that as long as you can just do enough good and you can be a relatively good person that you will be able to find your way into heaven one day. That there's a destination that we're all aiming for, right? There's a place beyond this life that we all want to get to. And as we get there, it's a place that we can, we can enjoy. It's a promise that God has for us. And it's the promise of his word. The place that we can experience him and life eternal, heaven. It's promised in God's word. It's spoken of. And many people, they look forward to it. Many of us here, we look forward to that day when we'll see him face to face and see those that have gone before us that we love face to face. But there's a lie that the world has believed and according to Barna studies, over 51% of people believe that if a person is generally good and does enough good things for others in their life, they will earn a place in heaven. More than 50% of people believe that. Many people that would come to church on a Sunday, they believe that. That as long as we do enough good, that's what, that's what will earn us our place in heaven. That's what will get us there. We'll get to the place we ultimately want to be. It's a place that is promised in God's word. It's a place that is promised by Jesus. And it is also a place that Jesus said he has prepared for those that will follow him on the narrow way, on the narrow path. In John chapter 14, as Jesus is speaking to his followers, he says, you can't let your hearts get overwhelmed and troubled. You can't let those things stop you and cause you to become overwhelmed or let you give up. Instead, we are called to persevere. He said, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust, believe in God, and believe also in me. Many times when our hearts get troubled, you know what we do? We just give up. We, we throw in the towel. We don't want to continue on. And as you go through life, you will realize that there are going to be bumps and valleys and dips and times where there's a great payday and then you hit another block and you lose everything. 
There are going to be times where you lose your job, where your health goes south, where you lose a loved one, where things happen that you could have never experienced and everything in you would say, you know what, I just want to call it quits. I don't want to continue on this road anymore. Is there another way? I'm tired of serving God. Nothing seems to be going right. You could go through a valley experience and want to turn in. But as you walk in that way, Jesus said we have to hold on. We have to not let our hearts become troubled by disappointment and discouragement. In fact, the author of the book of Hebrews in chapter 10 goes on to say, we need to persevere because when we persevere and we've done the will of God, we will receive what he has promised. And so if we're going to go on the right path and we're going to enter through the right gate, we need to persevere so that we could reach the right destination, the right place that God has for us, the place that he's promised us. Jesus in John chapter 14, he said, don't let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. He then says, there are many dwelling places in my father's house. And if it were not so, I would have told you, but I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, then I'm gonna come again and I'm gonna receive you to myself so that where I am, you may also be. There is a promise from Jesus that he has gone to prepare a place for us And by his death and by his resurrection, he has secured that place for us, for those that believe in him, for those that are willing to walk and follow him with our lives, for those that are willing to turn away from compromise and are willing to embrace the way of a disciple, a follower of Jesus, that are willing to live the new life that he has purchased for us on Calvary. There is a promise that waits at the end for those who persevere. It's not just a crown of glory. It's a place. It's the promise of heaven. It's the hope of eternity with God. And that awaits us at the end of this life, at the end of this journey. It's for those who will persevere, for those who will believe, for those who have put Jesus first in their life. And Jesus said to his followers, you know the way. You know the path. You know the way to get to where I'm going. And one of his followers said, how can we know the way? We have no idea where you're even going. And he then says in John chapter 14, verse 6, He said, I am the way and the truth and the life and no one comes to the Father except through me. No one gets there unless they they pass through me. I'm the only way to that life. I'm the only way to that place. It's not through good works. It's not through earning your place. It's not through doing enough right and doing more right than wrong. It's not balancing some cosmic scale. It is putting all your faith and all your hope in what Jesus Christ has done for us on the cross and then living a life that follows him and puts him first daily. So today, if ultimately the path that you're on is determined by the priorities in your heart, I want to invite you to take a moment and to to really look at your heart, to look at your priorities, to look at what you're putting first. So would you bow your heads and would you bow your hearts with me? Today, you alone know where you are. You know the path that you've chosen. You know the way that you're walking. At some point in time, maybe you put your faith in Jesus, but that's not what I'm here to ask you first. I'm here to ask you, what path are you on today? Are you on the path that Jesus has made for you? Are you walking in a way that honors him, that aligns with his word and what he has for you? 
For some of you, you've left behind a lot of old things, a lot of old baggage, a lot of old junk so that you could follow Jesus and you're so thankful that it's in your past. For some of you, it's resurfaced its head and today you're carrying it again. And you knew that there's not room for, for that on the narrow path and so in many ways, the compromises in your life have actually led you to the wide and the broad path. Some of us, we think those paths are miles apart. No, they're so much closer than you think. And today, you may, you may have deceived yourself and say, you know, I thought I was on the right path, but honestly, when I look at my life, I haven't been honoring God at all. I thought this was enough, but I realized it's not. I, I, I want to have a life that pleases God. I want to make decisions that please Him. I want to I have a relationship with Him. I want to honor Him with my thoughts and with my actions and with my behaviors. And today, you're just looking at your life and you say, you know, I'm on the right path. I'm not there, Pastor. I'm not there. Today, I want you to know that this isn't a message to bring condemnation to you. It's not a message to bring judgment upon you. It's a loving God who I believe is speaking through his word to reach you in this moment to say, you know what? There's a better way. You don't need to continue in the mud and in the muck and in the mess. Let me lift you up again. That's what the Lord says. Let me lift you onto the right path. Let me embrace you in my love. Let me forgive you of your sins and let me turn you into the way and into the person that I've created you to be. But today you have to be willing to let go of those things and embrace him. So I'm talking to some people today and that's right where you're at. You've been walking the road of compromise. You've been rock, walking a road that you know doesn't honor God. And today I'm not gonna ask you for a big demonstration. I'm just gonna ask you to be very honest with God who sees you in this moment. And if that's you, I ask you even right now, right in your heart, just begin to confess it to him. Begin to turn it over to him. Begin to say, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for what's happened. I turn back to you. I follow you. Lord, lift me up. Lord, rescue me in this moment. I believe God's rescuing people even now as we're praying. There's others of you today that you're just far from God and this is a time where you know you have to come back to him. You've walked away from Jesus. You've kind of denied him with your life. You followed him at one point in time, but you feel very far from God. And today's the day to return to the right path. And you say, I want to make that commitment. I want to just confess it. Jesus is Lord, and then I'm putting all my faith and my trust in him. I'm coming back. I'm recommitting my life to him. And there's others of you here today that you don't even have a relationship with Jesus. Today, you've never put your faith in him. You've never asked Jesus to forgive you of your sins. You never turned and decided that you're going to follow him all the days of your life. Lord Jesus, I pray right now in this moment that you would begin to speak to hearts and lives. Holy Spirit, would you come and would you begin to stir? Would you begin to convict? Would you begin to bring, Lord God, a sense, a sense of discontent to those, Lord God, who you want to minister to in this moment? Today, if you could hear my voice, and today you know is the day that you want to get onto the right path. You want to rock in the right way with God. And maybe you've been far from God and you want to recommit your life to Jesus Christ in this moment. Or today is a day that it's going to be a brand new beginning because you've never asked Jesus to be your Lord and your Savior. If you're here and you can hear my voice and you say, Pastor, that's me, I want to pray with you. But I want you to make that decision in your heart and I want you to acknowledge it before God. And the way I'm going to ask you to do that is right now if you say, today's the day that I'm putting my faith in Jesus Christ or I'm recommitting my life to Jesus Christ. I want you to lift your hand right now. No heads are up, no eyes are looking around. It's a moment between you and the Lord right now. 
But anywhere that you're seated, if that's you, then I want you just to lift your hand up and say, that's me. That's me, Pastor. Pray with me. Lift your hand right where you're at. I see you in the balcony. Is there anyone else? I see you on the main floor. I see hands back here. Amen. Praise God. Hands going up around. If there's anyone else, if you're watching online right now, God sees you. Just lift your hand before him. Is there anyone else? Today's that day. Amen. Amen. I see hands going up all around. Praise God. I'm going to pray with you, and I want you to pray this prayer. It's not a magical prayer, but it's one you say from the bottom of your heart. And you invite the Lord to come and to walk alongside of you. And today, you're going to be embraced by his love. Today, you're going to feel the weight of, of all the burdens that you've carried. You're going to feel it taken off of you because now the Lord carries it to Calvary. And you can experience his grace, love, and forgiveness right where you're at. Say these words from the bottom of your heart. Lord Jesus, I ask you to come into my life and forgive me of my sins. They've separated me from you. Today, I return to you. I turn my heart to you. And I turn away from those things. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for your grace. I will now follow you all the days of my life. In your name I pray. Amen. Lord Jesus, I pray that you'd come now, Lord, and you'd come suddenly to those who call out to you, those who have called out for the first time, those who have returned their hearts to you today. Lord God, would they feel the weight of your love, Lord God? Would they feel the weight of their sins forgiven and separated from them, Lord God? Would they feel the joy of heaven today? Because we know, Lord God, that when one turns their heart to you, they are rejoicing in the heavens, Lord God. And so we thank you for that celebration. And we pray today, Lord God, that they would begin a brand new life on a brand new path and that each step along the way, Lord God, you would lead and guide them into a greater measure of your love, into a greater measure of your grace. And Lord, we'll be sure to give you all the glory and all the honor and all the praise in your matchless name. Amen. Amen. Can we celebrate the Lord? Can we praise God together? Would you stand with me today? And as you're standing up, there are going to be some that come to you, some of our altar workers. If you said that prayer for the first time, they want to connect with you. If someone doesn't get to you, then you come to them at the end of the service. Come up here and let someone know that I prayed that prayer, Pastor. We'd love to give you a gift. We'd love to pray with you and encourage you in this moment. And I'd love to encourage each one today. If you have been on the fence and you've just been walking through this life, you've been following Jesus, but you've never been baptized. It's a declaration that I am following the way, the truth, and the life. And guess what? It's next Sunday morning in both of our services. And so today, as you came in in your bulletin, you received a card. I want you to take that card. I want you to fill it out, even today. And I want you to let us know that you want to get baptized. If you have time right after this service is over, you can head to the informational meeting that we're having. If you're unable to make it there, then let us know and we'll sit with you and we'll walk you through that and we'll connect with you. We want to see everyone, everyone that has not yet taken that step in baptism to finally follow Jesus in that way. And we can't wait to celebrate next week. Are you excited to celebrate those that are going to take this journey and take this step? So if that's you, if today's the day and you turned your life back to Jesus, today's the day that you started to follow him, your next step is baptism to publicly declare that you are a follower of Jesus. And so we don't want you to wait a moment, but take that step. For the rest of us, I want to pray for you today that God would just speak to your heart, allow your priorities to be weighed before him around the path, allow the path that you're walking to be weighed and held before him, allow him to lead and guide you in paths of righteousness. 
And for some of you that need to persevere today, that God's grace would be upon you. So I'm going to pray. And as I'm praying, our altar team's going to get into place. And once I say amen, we're going to go back into worship. And then if you want to come forward for prayer, you can. If not, you could be dismissed and God bless you. But let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you today for your goodness. We thank you for your grace. And above all, we thank you for life, Lord God. The abundant life that you've promised and purchased for us on Calvary. Lord God, may we walk in that life. May we experience it daily, Lord God. Lord, I pray that you would speak to our hearts, Holy Spirit. That you would allow us to weigh the things that we value most in this world and make sure that they align with the priorities of your word and of your heart. Lord God, I pray that for those, Lord, that are going through difficulties, that they would be able to persevere at this hour, not grow weary and lose heart, but Lord God, that you would meet them with abundant grace and with your love and strength for everything that we're walking through. Lord, we'll give you all the glory and all the honor and all the praise. Lord, we give you our lives in complete, in whole surrender. In Jesus' name, amen.